The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. If you've been with us the past couple weeks, you know we are playing around this story of, sorry, let me get this in here, Uh, Samson. So Samson's this classic Bible character, this muscle guy that's got these different feats of faith, and uh, we've kind of dug into his story a little bit more, and what he's about, there's some, some stuff we can learn from him. Hold on one second. Some good stuff that we can learn from that for all of us. I do want to speak to, to men and definitely dads today a little bit, but I think this stuff transcends. Um, a couple weeks ago, we were looking at his, his call. So there's this guy, Samson, and God's got a plan for his life. And then he's, he's, he quickly starts kind of throwing that away. Right? I think all of us have experienced that or come from that place where, man, I know there's something to my life. There's some purpose to my life. There's some value that's bigger than just this. And maybe you begin to walk in that, and then we just sort of take off. And so this guy is sort of, he's got this series of events that are starting to happen that ultimately kind of develops this collapse of this, this bigger picture for his life. So he had, had, a, had an anointing over his life, and it just starts to decline through a series of decisions, right? And that's how, that's how we get there. It's a series of decisions, a series of sort of story. Does something happen up here that I need to know about? No, we're good. Tim had an accident? All right. <laughs> Coffee. Um, so this past week, my wife and I and our kids had a had a just privilege to get up to uh, Hume Lake up in Sequoia National Park. Beautiful place. If you've been up there, even around the Kings Canyon area, just just fantastic. We go up there with a few friends. We've been going about nine years now in a row. It's three families. I think of eleven or twelve kids between us, and it's just our own little mini camp. Uh, just have a blast, and I just want to brag on my son, wherever he is, Jed, he's not going to love this, but he decided to get baptized up the lake this trip, so well done, buddy. <laughs> By himself, you know, wasn't a, we're talking outside in the patio, there was not like a big altar call with loud music and low lights and a passionate preacher, he just called it like on, on the lawn, and uh, we circled up around him and got him in the water, so. Uh, so really cool. One of the things I love to do when we get up out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the fisherman of any of Roger's stories, but I do love to fish. Uh, I love to get out at least a few times a year and get in there. And, and this trip, I remember, we're packing up the cars, all this stuff. And if dads, you could probably appreciate this, or, or if you fish or with other people. In the past, I've kind of got to bring all my stuff. I've got different rods. I'll take the kids. I've got to make sure everything's in order. But, it, but fishing's this whole other kind of experience, right? It's this whole other time sucker and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna bring one rod minimal kit and if it works out it'll work out because I just it's just too hard to get sort of sucked in this other world and fishing's you know it's early it's late at certain times I'm just gonna let it go for this trip I do but I do bring my rod I'm like at least at least get in for a for a little bit while we're up there and we're on our way up we're getting getting up into the Sequoia Mountain and we have a gas station stop <coughs> get gas run in get some drinks come back to the car and we sit in there turn the key and like we're all in there and one of the boys in the back's like Dad, your fishing rod's broken. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm thinking, all right, it probably just came undone or something's taken apart. I'm like, no, it's really broken. I'm like, look at it. And I look, look back, and my fishing rod's out the window. The window's rolled up, and it's like snapped down on the front of it. And I'm like, I mean, all this stuff's going through my mind. If you're a dad, you know you can ruin the trip real fast, right? Dads have that just uncanny ability to just sort of bring everything down. I'm like, trying to let the moment pass. We're like going back. I'm like, well, you shouldn't, you know, it, should, it shouldn't have been here. It shouldn't have been there. You did this. You did this. All this blaming starting to happen. I, I know we've all kind of been there. And we start thinking, well, you know, if the kids were, you know, like, why was the windows down? Why was the window up? And I'm like, oh, man, I, 
I, I left to go to get gas, and I came back. Everyone was gone. All the windows were down, so I rolled up the windows real, real fast. Like, you guys shouldn't have left the car. And then my, one of my boys was like, Dad, well, if you were there to pack the car, you could have put it on the roof like you said. I'm like, wow, my gosh. So I had to go get Grandma from Grandma's house to move her to my, par- my in-law's house so she can take care of our dog at their house. And I'm like, oh, it's Grandma's fault. No, it's, it's, it's the dog's fault. The dog broke my fishing rope pole. And they're like, you know what? Mom got the dog for us. It's Mom's fault. If Mom did not get that dog would not have to bring it to my in-laws, would not have to go get grandma to bring her to the in-laws to watch the dog. Fishing pole would have been on safe and sound on the roof, right? There's, just this, there's this collapse of these events start to happen. And any one of our lives, we're like, where, what happened here? And you try to point to it. The, the fact of the matter, it's broken. How do we respond to that in the moment, right? Do we, do we ruin the whole trip? Because, I mean, again, dads can snap into that mode real easily. Or like, just take a deep breath and, and go. And, and fortunately, and I, and, I, and I can't always promise I'll do this again, but I sort of like, all right, I'm going to survive. And we, we just went on, and I cut the pole down. It's like a sawed-off pole now. It still caught fish on it. So, so all is well. But there is these, these events that start to you know, happen. You try to point back, where did it go wrong? Where did this thing come undone? And sometimes you're innocent, and sometimes it's just life. Like, you can't really call, cast blame onto all that stuff. But sometimes in our life, when things are starting to come undone, you kind of can go back and you know, like, ah, man, it started there, then it went here, then it went here. And there's this slide that just begins to happen. And we're looking at Judges 14, and we'll go through a little bit today, and we'll, we'll c- catch up and, and, and finish the story in, in coming weeks. But Samson's begun his decline. If you, if you were here, if you remember him, he's got this call in his life, this Nazarite vow let alone God's call for him. And it has to do with, you know, God's general calls. Like, you know, you shouldn't take foreigners to be your wives. Uh, his calls, don't be around dead bodies. Don't cut your hair. Don't, don't drink wine. Don't go near the grapes. And we start to see him start to, to step by step, almost methodically break his vows, break his commitment to God. He's, he's dishonoring his parents. So he sees this woman, this Philistine woman. He's like, I must have her. God's like, you know, I, 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 I don't think you should be marrying foreign, foreigners, taking foreigners for your wives. It's not going to be good for you. His parents are like, that's not going to be good for you. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. Looks right to me. Looks good to me. I'm going to do it. Ends up with this dead lion. He's, he's around this dead, this dead carcass. He doesn't go and purify himself, which was tradition of the day. He's not supposed to drink wine or be even around grapes. He goes through a vineyard. So he's on his way. He's just systematically walking away from his commitment to God, he's just, he's just breaking this stuff down. And to this point where we have read, he, it really hasn't affected him yet, but we're going to see it's going to start to catch, catch up with him. It goes like this in, in chapter 15 uh, of, I'm sorry, 14 of Judges. So, if it, so he's engaged this woman from another town, another, another, another nation he shouldn't be. But he goes down, verse 10, Now his father went down to see the woman. Samson made a feast there, as was customary for the bridegrooms. When he appeared, he was given 30 companions. So he ends up at this feast, and what that feast is, it, it's a, there's a ton of wine at this feast. They, they live in a vineyard kind of area. It's a, it's a big party. The Philistines didn't care. They were just going to go for it. So Samson is, is diving all in here. Again, he's not supposed to even be touching grapes, let alone, let alone having wine. And he says, let me tell you this riddle, Samson said to them. So he's at this feast with these Philistines. The 30 companions are, are people, really, that were selected from the bride's side, they kind of keep an eye on Samson. Like, they're not sure why he's there. They don't know who this outsider family is. But like, hey, we're going to set you up with 30 good friends to, to, to hang out with you while you're here with us. So he's got this little entourage of, of Philistines now. He said, let me tell you a riddle. 
Samson said to them, If you can give me the answer within seven days, within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes, which is kind of a big deal. That's a, that's a valuable thing in this time. Some, some with, thinks maybe it's some kind of armor. It's nice stuff. It's not like go to the thrift store and get some, get some old pants. Like this is nice, valuable stuff. We're going to get 30 sets of it. They said, all right, tell us your riddle. Something they did at weddings. I haven't heard about this too much. It's kind of an Eastern, Eastern thing that they'll maybe do these riddles at, at weddings. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. It says, for three days, they could not give the answer. It's almost like they couldn't give the answer because that doesn't sound like a riddle. He just made that up. There is no answer. He said, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Like, not going to happen. No one's going to figure that out. They took it up. And on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? So we see this sort of turn in this story. It's starting to get, get dark. We're starting to talk about burning people down. And the Philistines are, are, are challenging this, this woman and her household. For like, why, why are we even getting involved here? Is this sort of a Trojan horse situation? He's going to take our land. He's going to start to move into our territory. You better find out what this thing is and prove your loyalty to us. Better find out what this riddle is. And so she goes to Samson, throws herself on him, sobbing, You hate me. You don't really love me. You haven't given my people, you have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answers. She starts to kind of try to manipulate Samson. He says, I haven't even explained it to my father and mother, he replied, so why should I explain it to you? And this is the beginning of this relationship, right? This is like he just took this woman to be his wife. There's already tons of problems here, right? And it's not a surprise. He shouldn't have been there to begin with. A lot of times when we end up in these situations of tension or a fight, like you shouldn't have walked down the road to get there. Even in your marriage relationships or you're in a big fight, like you can kind of go back and like it's a series of bad decisions. And a lot of times it's like saying the words that you're thinking. Like don't say those words. Hold them back. You won't end up in this place. So he and his, he and his new wife are already kind of having this, this, this deep argument about honesty. She cried the whole seven days for a feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. She in, ter- in turn explained the riddle to her people. So he just gives in. Like, I can't take this crying woman anymore. Here's what it means. She goes and tells, tells her, her crew. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of town said to him, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? So his, his riddle is about this lion carcass and honey that he had, that he had encountered on the road. Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. So he come, she, he come, they come up with the answer to this riddle that he totally made up that really had no answer. They get it. And he said, if you had not plowed with my heifer. What he's talking about is if you have not talked to my wife, you would not have found out. Referring to a wife at any, in any era of any time in history as a heifer is not a good idea. If you, if you don't learn, any, learn anything else today. Do not refer to your wife as a heifer. It's because sometimes our wives will say things about us that we're like, we don't want them to share, right? I mean, all of our husbands, we know, like, wives like to talk. They'll share things. Like, how did you know about that? Oh, I was talking to Amy. That heifer. <laughs> I'm just taking one just so you know how bad it's going to be. I'll talk about this next week. Don't do that. Because if you have not talked 
to my wife, you, know, I, you would never have figured this thing out. And so he's kind of burning with anger, like, ah, my wife. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Now, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, that doesn't mean it's, it's God directing him to do the things he does. And we can we could poke around at this, we'll poke around in, in coming weeks. Some of his feats of, of great strength, it says the Spirit of the Lord, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean this is God's will. He's just rising up with the gifts that, that he has. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped, stripped them of their belongings, gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went, excuse me, burning with anger, he went up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to a friend who attended him, attended at the wedding. So he, he, he owns it that he, he lost, even though they, they basically cheated. And he goes to this other city, and, and this city's probably about 24 miles away. And from what I understand, at the time, there was probably some kind of other feast going down there, maybe even a wedding. So there, these garments were there, these, this ornate clothing, these, these robes, this fabric would have been available in this city. He goes to this other city, and he just pummels 30 of their guys who were really minding their own business at this other thing. It wasn't the 30 guys that he was with. It wasn't the people he picked to fight with. It was people all the way 24 miles away across, across town, another place, had no idea that this riddle competition was even happening, and he goes and beats these guys down and takes, takes their stuff. So we're seeing this sort of impact happening from these, these decisions, and other people, other people are getting, getting hurt. And if we think back where this came from, you know, a chapter ago, because he saw this woman with his eyes and he wanted her. And, 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 and lust has a powerful grab on our hearts that can take us to some dark places, some hurtful places toward other people. And you should not have been with this woman to begin with. And so what I'm going to say to you men, and really for all of us, but I think this is important for men to remember, if you remember your commitment to God, less people will get hurt. If you think about even your own life, I could just remember my commitment to God, which in one hand, if you're married, that's a commitment to your wife. If I can honor that commitment, there will be less casualties. Less people will get hurt. And he's breaking down his relationship to God. He's just, checking, he's just systematically checking off all the stuff he's not supposed to do. And all of a sudden, we're seeing these ramifications on people that weren't even supposed to be in the story. And when we start walking away from God in our own hearts and our own actions, even though it seems like it's just us or it's just lust with my eyes, it's just this one little thing, man, people will get hurt. Your family will get hurt. People outside your family will get hurt. And this story of Samson, it, it, it really parallels the bigger picture of Israel in the Old Testament. As Israel walks away from God, the effects aren't just on them. It's all the people and nations around them. People are getting hurt. And so Samson, he, he, he goes out and he unleashes on these 30 guys, takes their stuff, comes back, gives them, gives them, the, gives them the robes. But he gets back, and, he, and I don't know how long this took. It was at least a, a little bit of a journey. Gets back to the town to go see his wife, and, and it says that his wife was given to a friend who had attended the wedding with him, which is he's not going to be excited about. And there's this, this, this disintegration. They've already done this feast. That's kind of this marriage feast, and all of a sudden, whatever that commitment was seems like it's off. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat 
and went up to visit his wife. Uh, a young goat is a weird way of like, it's kind of this almost little dowry before you go and visit your wife. I, I, don't, I don't totally get it, but that was part of the deal. Bring, you remember, remember Samson liked to tear young goats in half, so that's another whole other thing. But he goes and visits his wife, the young goat, so he's going he's to try to take his wife. But her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you thoroughly hated her, he said, that I gave her to your friend. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. So the dad of the, of the wife is kind of, in some way, almost looking out for her, like, hey, she, she threw you under the bus. She told your riddle, got you in all this trouble. I just figured I better move her along for her, her own well-being. Isn't her sister better looking instead? Samson said to them, this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every one of their tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up, the sh- burned up their stocks and, and standing grain, together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked who did this, they were told Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his friend. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. It's kind of sad and ironic, this, this call, hey, we're just going to burn you and your father to death if you don't do this. It ended up happening anyway. This, the, the, the sin and the breakdown in this story, it's just starting to spread. Even the, even the foxes, or some would probably say it was jackals, who are just hanging out in a cave minding their own business. Now some dude's tying their tails together and lighting them on fire, sending them into the fields. Like this whole thing is just unraveling. It's breaking apart. And this is a guy who, who we look at in Sunday school stories as like Samson, man of faith, yay. I mean, this guy has got issues. And, and the point is that Israel, God's people, have issues. And the author is writing like this is, this is just a, a personified, personified picture of the, of the bigger picture that's happening. And so we see this decline and this, dis- this destruction of his life, of his calling, of the people around him. And he's, maybe it's just because he's seeking something that's not there, seeking something that, that, that he thought might be better. Because in his call, he should have lived a certain way. He was given a certain path to choose for a certain bride, to live under a certain tradition. Like, nah, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. And we, we, we risk that when we step out of what we believe to be safe and what we know, we put ourselves and other people in danger and, and at risk. And sure, there's some times in life when you risk and there's, there's context for that, but in the areas of God's call and faith, when we leave what we know to be true, we're not only in danger of risk our own lives, but those around us. One of the hikes went on up at, uh, in Sequoia this, this week is... Um, through these meadows, we saw a bear, just amazing, just amazing part of the state or the country. And we get around this hike, we didn't have all day, and we get to a certain point, and we're like, ah, should we go on or, or go back? And we're trying to remember, have we done this hike before? Is it a loop? I mean, where does it end up? And part of us, each and every one of us, or certainly part of the group, let's just go on. It'll work out. And other part is like, well, you know what? We know it's a mile back. Maybe we should just take the mile back. We, we know what that is. Like, ah, oh man, I kind of want to adventure around. But wisdom took over. Like, you know what? We got the kids. We have time. Let's just take this road and stay on this road. We know what we're, we're going to get. And sometimes those paths are fun in the context of hiking. But are you responsible for other people, dads? It's not always the best idea. 
And you know that. We've been there. Sometimes that's in a hike, or sometimes it's taking your car and you get lost. Sometimes that's spiritually. Like, well, I know I should probably do this and this and this, but we'll be fine if we just go this way for a while. Sometimes you just got to take that, take that mile hike. Take the things that you know. Take the faith that you know, the God that you know, the life that you know that to be true. Like, all right, this is going to be okay for now. Yeah, maybe you want to do all kinds of other things and have these other adventures. But yeah, you have a family now. The best thing is let's just lock in. Let's, let's, let's make sure our kids are, are growing up well and they're understanding our faith. Let's make sure that we practice our, actually practice the faith that we talk about. And in this story, Samson's, he's caught up. He's caught up in himself, his own strength, new things, other places, not where he was or where he was supposed to be. His story continues to fall apart. We'll wrap up in a, in a moment here. Noah, you can come back up. But for us, and really for this guy, we'll, we'll, we'll get into him. It's never too late to be the leader of your household, men. It's never too late to be the leader of your household. The spiritual leader, the guide, your families need that. No matter where you've been, what you've done, if your wife had to drag you here because you didn't want to come, it's never too late to be the leader of your, of your household. And these broken things, like in this story, they don't just fix themselves over time. Right before we left on this trip, and this is sometimes classic of these kind of things, like our, our oven goes out. I come home, like, dang, it smells like gas in here. Jet's like, yeah, I'm, cooking, I'm baking cookies. I open the oven, like, whoa, you're not baking anything, man. You're gassing us out. <laughs> not, no heat in there. There's nothing against my kids. They're fantastic in the co- kitchen. They just didn't notice it. But, man, the igniter went out. I'm like, oh, gosh, the igniter went out. Like, so I, te- you know, I tear the oven apart, getting ready to pack, go out the door, you know, get on Amazon, order some parts, leave it in shambles, come home a week later. It's still in shambles. It didn't fix itself. I kind of forgot about it. I was hoping somehow it would have just sorted itself out while I was gone. I, had, I went and picked up my thing I ordered from Amazon, and, and I had to get to work and, and do work in the oven to get it going again. Just because time goes by and you go to a different place, things don't get better. In our relations, it's because we dive into relationships. I, I've been here, many of us have been here. Man, if I could just get away with my wife, everything will be fine. We have all these, all these problems. I just need a couple days away. Man, those couple days away are great. But when you come back, it's the same thing. It doesn't just fix things. It doesn't just, just magically get better. Man, I never spend any time with my kids, but I'm going to make up for it this summer. We're going to get on vacation. It's going to be fine. Anyone ever tell themselves those lies? It doesn't work. Because you still come back like, oh, yeah, it's still not really put together. It's still kind of broken. And for dads, as we kind of challenge ourselves today, because we kind of get in the mode, man, if I could just make money, we could do more vacations, I'll have more time with my family, be able to provide for them better, have a nicer house, more things. Dads, your kids don't want money, they want a dad. Your kids don't want money, they want a dad. Until they're older, then they want money. But when they're younger, no, at all ages, they want a dad. They want a dad to be present. And you can start that today, tomorrow. I wouldn't let it go too much past that. But don't let your story continue to spin down. If, it, if you feel it is, it's, it's not too late to stop. Count your losses, maybe. Samson could have like, all right, you know what? I should not have gone. He- I should not have gone down this road. I should not have been here to begin with. 
I'm going home, calling everything off. But he pushes the issue. Vengeance gets in his heart. Anger gets in his heart. Sin begins to take over. So, God, thank you for uh, the men in this room right now. I just want to pray a blessing over particularly the fathers. Um, man, parent is hard. Fatherhood is hard. Being a dad is hard. There's this, there's this weight and expectation. Gosh, Lord, I, I pray right now just for a, a fresh breath of, of peace and strength and courage and bravery upon the men in the room. If your dad is feeling defeated, I pray that you, your spirit would be lifted. Know that's never too late for you to begin to walk in your, in your calling and your, your anointing as a father and leader of your household. Anyone who's wrestling with something hard, spoken or unspoken, I just, I, God, I pray you would bring peace and healing to that, that situation. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.